0: So, hey, everybody. Welcome to ARE Live. I'm Mark Tier, the founder of Black Spectacles. And during ARE Live today, we're going to be joined by Mr. Mark Bailey, one of our wonderful virtual workshop coaches. And he's going to run through an exercise from our virtual workshops. Uh, He's going to go through uh, PPD, selecting Rated assemblies based on building type, site, and life safety exercise. That's a mouthful, and surely going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a great opportunity to see how hands-on um, and in-depth the virtual workshops are. Uh, so that's what's on the uh, the docket for today. A quick mention: uh, it is February of 2021. A quick mention about n-carbon ProMetric. The ARE is online. Uh, you can now test uh, both online and in person. And there have been some updates to the exam, but the content's the same. Uh, So they basically reduced the number of questions. Uh, They added some breaks and things like that. So if you're not aware of those changes, in fact, I think they call it ARE 5.1 now. um, uh, Make sure you uh, check out the updated details. Also, because they made some adjustments to the exam, um, they had to update the the cut scores for all the divisions, which they've done. That's all done. And now they're basically kind of cooking with gas. All the score reports are released. Candidates basically, just like you used to, uh, now, when you take the test, you get your um, sort of anticipated whether you you know fail or, or whether you're likely to fail or likely to pass, um, and then you get your results uh, in two to three days. So, uh, we just shared a link in the chat for you to visit NCarb site for all the details. Uh, so make sure that you uh, you check that out. Uh, for those of you who are new to joining us or n- new to Black Spectacles and joining us for the first time, uh, Black Spectacles is the first ever NCarb approved test prep provider for all six all the ARE divisions. We offer comprehensive test prep uh, for the ARE with video lectures, practice exams, flashcards, and virtual workshops, which of course you're going to get a sample of today. And it's all available online with either memberships for individual architects or firms or AIA chapters. There is something uh, interesting that I think you guys might want to know. We've kicked off 2021 by launching our Pass the ARE Guarantee, uh, which, um, you know, the idea is that we're so confident that if you use our expert membership to the fullest that you'll pass the ARE and we're putting our money where our mouth is. If you don't pass, then we'll pay for you to retake the exam. Uh, it's only available with our expert membership. In our expert membership, that's the only membership that you can get the virtual workshops in, which of course is what Mike, uh, Mark is gonna be uh, sharing with all of us today. So, I want to let you guys know about that. To read more about the guarantee and our individual memberships and, and so on, you can go to blackspectacles.com slash ARE 5 exam prep, uh, which is a link that we just put in the chat box. Um, and if you want to learn more about you know, how your firm can get access, which many firms have access to Black Spectacles, um, and essentially have your boss pay for your access, you can go to blackspectacles.com slash pricing slash group slash firm. And again, we just threw another link in the chat box for you guys on that. Our next ARE live broadcast will be on March 18th of 2021. We'll be hosting a panel discussion on the new ARE format which I just mentioned to you. Um, We'll talk with people who have taken the ARE from home using the online proctoring. So this is going to be really interesting because these are folks who've already done it. They've gone through the whole process um, online and uh, they're going to share some of their experiences with the new exam delivery method so you know exactly what to expect. Today we'll be engaging exclusively on our online ARE community. So I just uh, went over to community.blackspectacles.com and uh, I searched for ARE Live and sure enough right at the top was pinned uh, the uh, the discussion entitled Virtual Workshop Preview on PPD. So uh, head over there um, and actually we just threw a link inside of uh, the GoToWebinar chat as well. Um, And uh, you can engage there. What's interesting is everyone who posts in that thread on our ARE community will be eligible to win a free black spectacles t-shirt. So if nothing else, just head over there to say hi, and that will make you eligible. So you don't have to write a question if you don't have one, but I just want to make folks aware of that, that is a resource for folks, um, uh, you know, via black spectacles, uh, and then of course, don't forget to stay tuned until the end of the podcast to see if you won that t-shirt. And um, we also uh, will be giving a special discount uh, on our expert memberships to share as well at the end of the uh, the episode. So make sure you stick around for that. My guest today, of course, is Mr. Mark Bailey. If you don't know him, he has been working with Black Spectacles for quite a while, leading the PPD virtual workshops. Mark uh, passed the ARE back in 2018. So he's a vet. He knows how to do this. He's an expert. Um, he's been a mentor to those studying for the ARE, both in his office and at his local AI chapter. And he's also an associate with Levin Porter Architects in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, So uh, you guys are in great hands with uh, Mr. Bailey. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, With that,
1: I'm gonna hand it over to you. All right, thanks, Mark. I appreciate that introduction. You're welcome. All right, so today we are going to be, as Mark was saying, selecting rated assemblies based on building type, site, and life safety. Uh, So, as we go through the virtual workshop, we start out by kind of frameworking, what are our objectives? What are the things that NCARB has identified um, as a target that we need to focus on for this particular topic? So, we will identify fire resistance ratings required by different sections of the 2018, which is the new update, um, IBC, International Building Code, for a new construction building, as well as whether a fire barrier or fire partition is required. Uh, This exercise ties directly into the um, PDD objective in the ARE 5.0 Handbook, uh, which is Objective 1.5. Determine how to detail the integration of multiple building systems and technologies. You must be able to detail and resolve the intersection of the roof, curtain wall, cladding, window, floor, structural, interior, and other architectural systems as they come together with a building project. So that's where we really start to look at, you know, firewall, fire barrier, and fire partition. And then it also accomplishes looking at objective 4.1, which is determined adherence to building regulatory requirements, (IBC) at a detail level. So it's critical to be able to apply the International Building Code to the design and documentation of a project, specifically building use and occupancy, means of egress, heights and areas, fire and smoke protection, MEP systems, and structural systems, as well as material and assembly requirements. So whenever you're reading through those things, if you ever feel that they're, it's like, oh my gosh, there's too many things, break it down by, okay, we're gonna look at building use and occupancy. We're gonna look at means of egress. Then we'll get into heights and areas. Also fire and smoke protection, you know, just kind of bullet point those important things that matter because then you'll really be able to dissect, you know, not only a question, but what you actually are looking at in the NCARB reference manual. So let's go ahead and dive right, right in. Um, you hopefully everyone had a chance to uh, take the type form exam or uh, practice quiz for today's workshop. That's just to give you a preview of what um, what we do during the during the virtual workshop. So the first question was, where would you use a fire partition? And um, if if you ever get stuck, and I have kind of a fun mnemonic device, which we'll bring up in the end, um, the best thing you can do when you're studying, not necessarily on the exam, but always go back to your resources. Okay, so this fire partition, it's called out in the IVC. Let's look at section 708. A fire partition is a wall with a fire resistance rating that extends from the slab or deck below to the bottom of the slab or deck of the fire resistance rated horizontal assembly above. A fire partition may only stop at the bottom of a rated assembly above in combustible construction types, which is types three, four, and five. Um, fire partitions are also used at separation walls, walls separating tenant spaces in covered or open mall buildings, corridor walls, elevator lobby separation, and egress balconies. So if you look at the question and then go through, you know, based on those definitions where would you use a fire partition keyword being partition walls and shaft enclosures walls separating tenant spaces walls separating a building into two separate buildings and walls used as toilet partitions and so um i had to throw that fun one in there obviously if you know usually on the on the ARE you find a question that you're like okay i know it's definitely not that so you can go ahead and eliminate one um, And then if you get down to it, as we saw in the definition above, the correct answer is B, wall separating tenant spaces. So that's where they come into play um, when it comes to a fire partition. Now walls at shaft enclosures, that would be where you use a fire barrier. So keep that in the back of your head as we move forward. Uh, Walls separating a building into two separate buildings. Okay, that's that would be a firewall. That's our most stringent requirement. So this question was was interesting because it was looking at okay, all three types are defined here and then they threw a curveball for the fourth one. So that's a fire partition. Then let's let's look at what is a fire barrier and where would you use it go to section 707. So we're working kind of our way backwards in the code just slightly a fire barrier is a wall with a fire resistance rating that extends from the slab or deck below to the bottom of the slab or deck above. So immediately we know something is missing from a fire barrier that was listed as a fire partition. This horizontal assembly above is no longer applicable. So we can't have a lid or a box within a box as we commonly you know, refer to a, a rated room. This actually has to go all the way to the slab or deck above in all instances partition, you can also have that in some instances, but a fire barrier must extend to that slabber deck above. So we've got to separate the floor. Um, fire barriers are used at shaft enclosures, interior exit stairways and ramps, enclosures for exit access stairways, exit passageways, horizontal exits, atriums. Okay, we see a common theme here, we're talking about egress requirements. Um, Same thing with incidental uses, control areas, separated occupancy and fire areas. So based upon all those things, we're we're down to the question again. Where would you use a fire barrier? Walls at exit passageways, walls at egress balconies, walls at separated occupancies, both A and C, both A and B. So whenever you come upon this type of a question, what I always did is try to figure out what can I eliminate from what I know? And since we just read on the previous one that egress balconies are an example of a fire partition, we can eliminate that as an option. So then walls at exit passageways. Okay, that was just mentioned above. So we can use that. Walls at separated occupancies. Uh, we also saw that above, so we can we can use that. So therefore the correct answer is both A and C. So these questions are, we use these as the framework at the beginning of the workshop to really get the juices flowing. I mean, we wanna, this is gonna be our topic today. You know, we're going in deep to the, the virtual workshop. We wanna really talk about it um, and get the concept straight because it is a lot to get your head around when you're going going through and looking at the, you know, the overall concepts of everything. The framework is important. Okay, finally, where's the firewall? So if we look at 706, firewall consists of either two structurally independent walls that allow for collapse in the event of a fire on either side of the wall without affecting the other side of the wall. By using a firewall, the building is effectively split into two buildings. The firewall extends from the slab of foundation on the bottom floor all the way through the roof and stops a minimum of 18 inches above the roof. The firewall is also required to run from the exterior wall to exterior wall. So firewalls are used to separate a single building into two separate buildings. That's pretty much the main use that they're ever used for um, because they're the most stringent requirement when it comes to a fire barrier, a fire partition, and a firewall of those three. So which wall section applies to the use of a firewall? A wall that extends from the slab or deck below to the bottom of the slab or deck above, A wall that extends from a slab through the roof and stops a minimum of 12 inches. Same thing, stops a minimum of 18 inches above the roof. And then finally, wall extends from slab to the bottom of the rated horizontal assembly above. Well, we just talked about that, so we know that's a fire partition. And then if we go back and look at question A, we know we also just talked about that, That's that's a fire barrier so we're automatically kind of down to these two and usually sometimes questions on the exam are are pretty close where it's just one character or you know one in this case measurement apart and if we go back to our definition we got 18 inches we know that has to be a minimum according to the IPC. so that really are those three questions are to set the framework for for the virtual workshop and that's kind of um you know that's what you need to have as as a basis of understanding um, before we really dig into where we're at now, which is the scenario portion. So um, for the rest of the, uh, I guess the rest of the questions we'll encounter, keep this scenario in mind the same way you would approach a case study on the exam. So you're gonna have this, you're gonna read through it, you wanna make sure you highlight or call out you know, particular terms that you believe will be of use for you. So let's read through it together. Scenario, an architect is working on a four story mixed use building of type 2B construction with NFPA 13 sprinklers on the first two floors and NFPA 13R sprinklers on the third and fourth floors. An architect already confirmed that the, ar- the area of the proposed building is below the maximum allowable area for a separated mixed use building. Okay, well, that's good. There will be a cafe and an office on the first floor offices on the second floor and residential dwelling units on the third and fourth floors so we've got a mixed use as we as we already know third and fourth floors with residential dwelling units are identical with the same floor plan now the architect must identify the required fire resistant construction within the building based on construction type occupancy and separation requirements life safety and egress requirements and fire separation distance requirements use the exhibits provided to identify the types of walls and partitions required to satisfy the code assume that no flaw, no walls or floors will be rated unless required by code so we're assuming we're starting with an unrated building and we need to determine in the exam where where the rated walls fall so a lot of keywords to remember here four-story building mixed use type 2b nfpa 13 on the first two floors nfpa 13r on the third and fourth floors we've got a cafe on the first floor with an office also on the first floor and then offices on the second floor and finally residential units on three and four so keep all of those things in mind as we move forward then you uh on the uh, virtual workshop you'll also get you know reference to any exhibits that you might encounter on the exam In this case, we have a site plan and we have a proposed first floor plan. Always take note of the north arrow. You just never know when you're gonna need it. And then we have our proposed second floor plan and a proposed third floor plan. So they're telling us everything. Here's here's where the building's located. Here's our mixed use site. Here's our property line around the perimeter that we need to be aware of. And they're giving us the dimensions so whatever they're telling you on the diagrams usually is important information that you want to make sure you recall as we go into um, the actual questions and then if we go back to the first floor there's our a2 op- um, a2 occupancy for the cafe and our office there's our second floor office and then our residential units on three and four okay Next question, refer to the site plan and the floor plans to identify the exterior wall fire resistance in hours for the following walls. Okay, so we need to look at the site plan and the floor plans to identify the exterior wall fire resistance rating. So when you're you're approaching a question like this on the exam, um, you're gonna find that, you know, these diagrams have information on them that directly relate back to a code passage. So the first thing, if you have the code memorized you know i I certainly don't i don't think anybody has the code memorized but you want to be familiar with where you approximately should go and you'll be given those references but the more you familiarize yourself with the table of contents um, and just the general layout the more comfortable and confident you will feel on the exam actually going through these these questions okay so uh we would want to look at table 602 So table 602 is deciding the fire resistance rating requirements for exterior walls based on fire separation distance. So that's the distance between the building footprint and the property line. If we go back, we can see a little bit closer. We have three feet, 10 foot six, 15 feet and 25 feet. So we automatically know when they're asking, okay, what's the north wall? What's the west wall? We automatically know the two walls we need to look at. The north wall is right here since we have our north arrow pointing up and the west wall is over here. I would recommend starting with the most stringent requirement and working backwards that will save you time when it comes to, okay, if you get to a certain point, you know, you need to step back. You'll be able to have that time to um, you know start with the most stringent thing and work backwards so obviously the most stringent would be the west wall since we're closest to that property line and that distance was three feet so if we go down to our table 602 we find our construction type which is type 2b so that could be any of these really and we go by our occupancy so we know it's a cafe we know we have b use and we know we have residential on on three and four So this is the the column of the table that were of interest um, to us. So as we go down to fire separation distance, okay, we're less than five feet. So if we go from all types of construction, oh, no matter what, we're required to have one hour. So we know on that west wall, we're required to have one hour no matter what. But then if we go down and we look at the north wall, we're 10 feet six away from the property line hey, we're actually not within that five to 10 feet. We can jump down and look at the 10 to 30 feet. And then you go over following the column, okay, we're not 1A or 1B, and we're not 5B and we're not others, we're 2B. So that 2B line carries over horizontally all the way to bingo, zero. We're not required to have a rating. So in this case, because we're looking at only these two types of walls, we're required to have zero hour rating and a one hour rating. So then because of that, the correct answer would be A. So those types of questions, they can take a lot of time. You got to go back, you got to find your references. But honestly, you know, having that comfortability that, you know, that comfort level with getting to that table it will help you get to the the solution even quicker. All right, so for question five, refer to the floor plans. Okay, now we're digging in a little bit deeper um, and identify the interior wall fire resistance rating requirements. So we know we're looking at interior fire rating and number of hours on each wall tag listed below. Okay, so we need to look at the wall tags. If no fire resistant construction is required, write zero, great, okay so where is wall a you look in the floor plan oh there's wall a it's pointing to this wall so there's our wall tag we are separating the a occupancy and the b occupancy so if we go to our references in the ibc same kind of thing that we had to do previously no have you know have a general framework which table we need to go to um have that level of where you can go into the code and say okay i know i need to go to chapter five because of because of that question so if we go to table 508 508 508.4 this is our required separation in occupancies uh, required separation of occupancies in hours so this is kind of a matrix chart so we can you know do this in the same fashion where you find your occupancy okay we know the cafe is a a restaurant type function. And because we have went through the code and figured out that it's an A2, we can make that assumption, um, or make that declaration rather, that we're dealing with an A2. Because we're dealing with an office on the other side of the wall, we're dealing with a B. So between the two, what's what's the separation between the two? So go down to the table. You can do this either way. You can work this either direction. You're gonna start with, You're gonna start with A or you could start with B and then follow it across until you find B on this table. There's B. So then drop it down and you're either one hour if you're suppressed, which is sprinkler, the S, or two hours if you're non-suppressed. If we go back to the scenario, everything lies in the scenario. Uh, We've got a sprinkler system. We're NFPA 13 on the first floor. That answers that. So we are at one hour. Okay, wall, wall A, one hour, done. Move on to wall B. So we're looking at, let's find it here in the plan. Okay, there's wall B. Cut a section, we're between a corridor, and then for that matter, an egress corridor and the B use occupancy. Okay, so what do we need to do if we're looking between a corridor and an occupancy? That case, you would go to a means of egress chapter 10 and look for your corridor fire resistance rating. So then as you find that, you will go to your occupancy. And in this case, it's A and B because we're egressing both A and B into the stairwell leading out. Honestly too, because this is a, you know, we have a men's bathroom and a women's bathroom, this is really an access corridor. So we have to assume that, you know, even though we have that door here, people might still be egressing out of here and into the into the stairwell and out. So A and B, occupant load served by corridor greater than 30 without a sprinkler system. Oh, remember we have a sprinkler system. Okay, good. We're not required to rate that corridor because of uh, A or B use is feeding into it. So wall B is a zero. Okay, last one here, wall C. Let's find wall C. Oh, it's separating the stairwell from the B occupancy, so from the office. So then you have to think, okay, what's the best way to go to um, your means of egress sizing? Uh, You also look at your fire resistance rating and you try to figure out what the best location for a shaft enclosure or an egress stair takes you. And probably after bouncing around a little bit, you will land on uh, chapter 7, section 713.4. And, you know, I know we're going through all these references like, hey, you should know this. In the virtual workshop, we actually pull up the code. You know, we go through all these sections together, we find how we get to them and we try to break down some of the, the strategies in that you know, getting to that correct answer. So it's not as you shouldn't you know, have these memorized, no one does. Um, we just wanna familiarize you with how to get to those sections. So that's something that you can look forward to in the virtual workshop um, that we do on Sundays. So let's go to our fire resistance rating. We read through all this section. Shaft enclosures shall have a fire resistance rating of not less than two hours where connecting four stories or more. There's our answer. We have four stories because in the code or in the uh, scenario, we were talking about um, the residential units on the set on the third and fourth floor. So we can't go any less than two hours. So that has to be at least two. So then if we go through our best answer then is B because we're looking at wall A as one hour, wall B is zero hours, wall C is two hours. All right. Well, that's a lot. I mean, it's a lot to absorb. You know, the more you the more you go through these um, these code elements and and sifted through them, the more you kind of understand circular references or you know directive references where you find something that leads you to another section. Um, and the best thing that you can approach all of these you know more intense types of questions with, like we just dealt with number four and number five, is to have that. Have that ready to go. Have that confidence to just bounce around as you need to on the exam. Treat it as if you know you're solving a problem in the office. It's no different. You just have to you know have that you know calm, cool, and collected demeanor to get to the section that you need, find the answer, and then get back out. The code is meant to be used as a reference tool.
0: Hey Mark, I got a, a thought that I wanted to share with you or share with the sure. group. Sure. Um, Uh, Because we're doing this uh, particular lesson here as a part of ARE Live, it's not so much of an interactive kind of experience. But if you're thinking about the actual virtual workshop experience, just so everybody knows the way it works, is uh, that Mark would actually issue this, let's say, this lesson uh, to you and and basically group you into a small group of three to four people. And then you guys would work on solving the questions in the scenario uh, on your own uh as a as a you know four person group and then after about you know 10 or 15 minutes uh the uh you know the uh whatever they call them the um what they call the breakout rooms are closed and then folks can uh can basically join the full session where mark basically walks through how he would solve it and you, so what's kind of cool about that is that you know you've already kind of worked with a couple people try to come up with your answers and then you get to basically watch um know uh you know mark uh the the instructor go through the uh go through the answers so it's a really nice kind of interactive experience am i I describing that right mark
1: you're exactly hitting the nail on the head and i appreciate you saying that too um the way and honestly it's in a way kind of like a study group i mean people are getting back together um a lot of these people that join in the in the virtual workshops either communicate on the community or they just know each other from past workshops and they jump in the room uh, five minutes early, and everyone's like, "Hey, good to see you." And it's it's really yeah, kind of like a study group, and and we just format it the same the same way Mark said. You know, we do a minute of heads down um, to go through. You know, have ten minutes or fifteen minutes to review the question, and then we come back together and discuss why that's the best answer. So you have a chance to tackle it first, and then we provide you with the reasoning and kind of that justification to know what the best answer should be. So it's a very interactive guided process like that, like exactly like Mark was saying.
0: I think also at the end, if I remember correctly, uh, what you guys normally do is you guys then open it up uh, at the end of the session, usually for 15 or so minutes, you open it up so that folks, it's sort of an open Q&A. So even questions that aren't related to the actual lesson, uh, it's an open Q&A. So you're working on, you know, this exam PPD and you're stuck on something, you can introduce a totally new question uh, for 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 the instructor to answer or even for the group to answer. Is that how you usually handle it there, uh, Mark?
1: Yeah, and we, so every uh, Sunday when the workshops are held, um, you RSVP beforehand on the Black Spectacles dashboard. And right below that, there's a place where you can submit questions early. If you are doing research, or you know, actually going through the topics that we're going to cover that coming Sunday, we give you a list of all of the recommended Black Spectacles videos to watch as a prerequisite. Um, so as you're going through that, you have a chance right then and there to send a question to me. Um, it gives me you know a day or two to digest that question and actually formulate a good concise answer. Um, so I have a chance to you know tackle the the, the difficult questions you find or are encountering and then bring that answer to you in the Q&A session of the workshop. But aside from that, we also have open Q&A. So as people are, you know, going through these workshops, if people are like, "Hold on, how in the world did you find, you know, table 508.4? I just don't yeah. understand where that came from. How did you just know that?" Well, then we go into, you know, we look at the table of contents and the IBC, we break down, okay, this this section refers to this you know you got to get to table 10 you got to get to chapter 10 to know means of egress so you have to know those means of egress elements like stairwells corridors etc um so there's there's very much a guided process of getting through getting through the questions together and it gives you a chance to ask all of those q a questions you know live during the workshop
0: that's great. Thanks, uh, Mark. I wanted to just clarify that for everybody. That yeah, absolutely. As we're going through this with ARE Live, it's a little bit different, but you are seeing like a, it is. <laughs> you know, a real legitimate you know, lesson uh, that we
1: would go through So soup. Uh, you're getting a great taste. So yeah.
0: go right ahead, uh, and, All right. Uh, and thanks for your continued good stuff here.
1: Absolutely. Okay, so those were two pretty heavy questions. So, um, you know, we also try to balance out and, and pull in some other questions that we can go back and just look at something quantitative. Okay, so which application is best to utilize a dry pipe sprinkler system? Okay, so if you're looking at dry pipe, um, you should know that dry pipe sprinkler system does not have any water sitting in the pipe or is not pressurized at the head location. It's there's a pre action valve that exists somewhere else in the building, probably back at a standpipe or a riser or, you know, wherever you have that gate valve to to stop the water from getting into your dry pipe system um, in order for the sprinkler heads to be to be dry so based upon that information where is the best application to locate the dry pipe sprinkler system conditioned attic spaces open air parking garages data centers or hotels and after thinking through these um you you could come across the answer right away and think, oh my gosh, this is easy. I obviously know it's going to be open air parking garage. And you would be correct. Um, you you want to make sure though you're looking at these these questions closely. The, the correct answer is open air parking garage. It's not conditioned. If you're dealing with a climate that has freeze thaw, like I have in Ohio <laughs> or even further north that we're currently all dealing with, um you have to be considerate of of those sprinkler heads and their and their ability and the sprinkler lines and their ability to freeze and burst so if you were looking at an unconditioned attic space that would also be a good a good option for a dry pipe sprinkler system but since this is a conditioned attic space we have uh you know we have a temperature that we're maintaining um, that tells me we're insulated we have protection from freezing freezing temperatures so it's really not conditioned attic spaces um when looking at data centers you know data centers are a very specific type of of use they they commonly utilize a a halon gas system or even the newer fm200 compressed gas fire suppression system Um, they have they have a way that they're discharging chemicals in order to protect the equipment that's in the data center so that would not be a that would not have water as the means of um, suppression; it would be halon gas. And then, if you look at the, you know, a hotel component, um, hotels and um, and other kind of residential functions of that nature very commonly utilize wet pipe sprinkler systems. In a way, you want to have that immediate discharge. You want to have that head um, really soaking the room if if there is a fire to contain it since people are sleeping and they're you know, compromised that if there's a fire in the middle of the night, you need to have that immediate delivery of a fire suppression to isolate the incident. So hotels would not be a good instance for a dry pipe sprinkler system. So that's what makes that open air parking garage the best answer. So which material is most commonly specified for a wet pipe sprinkler system? inside a conditioned commercial building. Okay, so now we're looking at wet pipe sprinkler system and the actual material that it would be. So is it Schedule 40 PVC, Schedule 80 PVC, copper or cast iron? So if we go through these, Schedule 40 PVC is commonly utilized for underground wet pipe sprinkler systems um as the main around the exterior of a building so if you're familiar you know if we look at a section cut here say we have a building and a foundation and then a floor level inside if we have a a frost line of like 30 inches we need to have that fire line be down below that frost line right because we're having active water flowing through it and we need to get into the building the fire line will probably exist down here Travel under the footing somehow, or maybe even sometimes through the footing, and then penetrate up into the building before it becomes a um, a riser. It would also not take that sharp of a turn. That would be <laughs> there would be tons of water water hammer, and this would need a thrust block like crazy right there. Um, so as it, as it enters into the building, you know that's that's kind of the the most common use of how a an exterior sprinkler system works. And that system is most commonly either Schedule 40 or Schedule 80 PVC. Um, the reason being, you know, that, that material can be in the earth. Uh, it can also be cast iron in some cases, usually old, old systems that, you know, installed in the 50s, 60s, or 70s. Um, I know a lot of the projects that I'm working on have cast iron fire loops, and we're going back and replacing with um, like Schedule 80 PVC just for longevity. Um, copper, on the other hand, if you're looking, is is commonly specified for for water distribution, but it's usually for domestic water and you know hot and cold um, distribution into the building. It's not usually used for wet pipe sprinkler systems because it's much more expensive of material. Um, it's also really good to be you know to use for compressed air lines. You can you know solder the connections. You can have a much better joint than you would on on plastic lines when it comes to compressed air and they just they they hold and they last at their connection points really well over time so copper eh, not the best option and then cast iron honestly cast iron is the most common um it's it's generally everywhere you're at Um, it's it's a uh durable material which you really want to have (laughs) for a for a sprinkler system because you know you're if you're dealing with a restaurant like in like in our scenario or a business you know you're gonna have activity above the ceiling or um, you're, they're gonna be there for a, a long time and need to last and not have their joints fail so having those actual threaded connections in the cast iron where you're actually able to you know seal the pipe with your you know your joint, is really the best connection for a sprinkler system because you can get that bond unlike you would really get with a plastic you know, PVC connection that would be probably somewhat like this. And everybody's familiar with you know, PVC and how they function. Those would butt together. You would glue the joints or use a clamp of some sort. Um, it's commonly used or it's, it's sometimes used, but I would say most commonly, as the question stated, the best answer would be cast iron. Okay. All right, then our last question for today. um, And again, this is really just kind of a glimpse into what the virtual workshop is like you we get much more time, um, you know, in the workshop for people to jump in and say, hold on, let's go back. Let's look at this question again. Why is that the better answer than this? Um, There's a little bit of dialogue that we can have in between these questions too. So which IBC chapter would you need to check to confirm the allowable building height? Okay, that keyword allowable building height. (laughs) So if we go in, I know we keep referring back to it, but table 504.3 is the best instance to figure out where you would have the allowable height of construction in a building based upon their main classif- uh, main classification of occupancy and their type of construction. So here's our occupancy type, and here's our type of construction. So this table is found in uh, chapter 504.3. So chapter five would be the best answer. So going through, and this I think this is very similar to the table we looked at above. You know, it's a it's a matrix style table. Um, you look at two different um, quantities or two different items, you're cross-referencing them to find the correct answer. So let's say you know, for our building type that we just looked at before, what would be the allowable height? So here's our here's our uh, use there. We also have an R use there. If we pop over here, oh, we have NFPA sprinkler systems 13R and NFPA 13d. So we remember NFPA 13R was mentioned. So what's our allowable height for our type 2B building? So if we look at 2B, we drop all the way down. For an R, it's 60 feet above Great plane. So the table itself actually says um, above Great Plains. That'll define how tall you're allowed to go. And then if we're looking at our A, B, E, F, or, other mixed uses in the building. You know, we have our rest, we have our restaurant or cafe and our B occupancy use group as well. That's a sprinklered use. We drop over here. I need to erase a little bit so I can see what I scribbled over. And we're at 75 feet tall for a type 2B construction. So because we have a conflicting piece of information here and here, what do we do? Well, we're most likely limited to the most stringent option, which is 60 feet. So even though we have two answers here that are applicable, we have to stick with the most stringent, which would be 60 in this case if we have a mixed-use building. Boom! All right, there we go. There is a you, there man. is a little taste of what you can expect to see in the virtual <laughs> workshops. I That's laugh, great. Mark, because there's so much collaboration going on during the workshop. It's it's. Uh, it's really energetic and um, it's it's just so exciting to have all those people throw those questions back and forth. And um, it keeps me on my toes at all times. So I feel like, you know, this is a little, it's, it's a different flavor of that kind of energy <laughs> that we have.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had a hunch, which is why I was asking. So that's great, man. I appreciate uh, all your help on, on this. And uh, so I want to thank you. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, Uh, That was obviously a ton of information you can walk away with in an hour. So, Uh, again, it's very awesome. Thank you, uh, Mark. As I mentioned to you guys at our next ARE live broadcast on March 18th uh, of 2021, we'll be hosting a panel discussion on the new ARE format, uh, where we're going to be talking with people who have taken the ARE from home via the online proctoring. So you definitely want to tune in for this one. They're going to share their experiences with the new exam delivery method, so you know exactly what to expect. Um, and we just posted a link uh, in the chat box in the go-to control panel or you can just go to blackspectacles.com slash podcast to sign up to learn a little bit more about all of our are exam prep offerings at black spectacles you can go to blackspectacles.com where you can try out any of our course videos and we just dropped that link in as well um, as a reminder we're kicking off 2021 by launching our pass the ARE guarantee we're confident that our customers who use our the expert membership to their fullest will pass the ARE. And if they don't, we're putting where our money, where our mouth is and we're paying for their retake um, to learn more about how to qualify for the guarantee or to check out our individual memberships to see what kinds of materials we offer. You can go to blackspectaclescom are slash five exam prep. The lucky winner of a black spectacles t-shirt uh, t-shirt is Christine. Uh, Christine, we will reach out to you via email to get your size and shipping information. So stay tuned for that. And just a reminder for everybody, if you'd like to be eligible to win a t-shirt, post a question uh, you have about our featured topic in the community during during the next ARE Live. And you know, it's worth noting, our community uh, is always buzzing. It's not just during ARE Live. Uh, we, we, we try to leverage it uh, just to sort of introduce it to new people, um, but it's available for all of you. It's free. Uh, you don't need to be a member in order to participate. It's a great place. We have experts who are tuned in, uh, licensed architects, who answer questions uh, that folks post. It's also a great place to find some inspiration. Uh, We have lots of folks who post their stories about how they passed, the struggles that they had, and so on and so forth. So it's a great, uh, it's a great uh, resource for a lot of a lot of different folks uh, at all the different stages uh, in on the path to licensure. Now, for those of you who are ready to start studying for the ARE right now, you can use our exclusive coupon code ARELIVEFEB21, uh, which should be on the screen, I think right now, to get 10% off all our expert memberships, whether one, six or 12 month, you can use it for any of those memberships. And just keep in mind that you need to use that coupon code before uh, our next ARE Live airs on March 18th of 2021 because that's when it expires. And then finally, tomorrow, we're going to send you an email follow-up about today's live broadcast. So please let us know what you think, share any suggestions that you may have. Also, be sure to stick around for one more second um, and take the survey right after this webinar to also give us some feedback. We read every word that you guys write and use them to tune our next episodes. So thanks for watching.